the constants that determine the behavior of matter and energy have precisely the value that they have to in order for there to be any complexity at all in the universe. And it does make you think that a mind might have been involved. How do you disprove Christianity? Well, actually, I thought this has got to be pretty easy because Jesus, in a variety of different ways, made transcendent and messianic and divine claims about himself. Because of the resurrection, he's, he's somebody who has defeated death. He has come through and he's still alive. He is not dead. He doesn't die. He goes on. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't, you can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him and you can't live without him. Yeah! That's my kid. Fantastic. If you are new here, if you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, you need to know that we're in part two of our series, Five Reasons Why. Sometimes people will say, I'm a Christian. And you say, well, why are you a Christian? And they'll say, because, you know, it all, it's all true. It all works. It, it, I feel good. Um, it's never let me down. But unless you've got decent, fundamental, rational reasons for believing in God, when your faith hits trouble, you'll be in trouble. And some people here that are not Christians, you don't go to church, you'll say to me, Philip, I would love to believe what you believe, but I just don't have faith. I don't believe what you believe. I, I believe what science says. And what we want to say to people is actually there are good, compelling, incredible, strong, robust, profound arguments for believing not just in God, but in God revealed in Jesus Christ. And so what we're doing is we're building a case, we're going through. So if you were here last week, we talked about those cosmic wonders. The fact is that we live in an incredible universe. We talked about the Big Bang, which uh, came into the kind of scientific community around about the 1920s. And people before then had thought that the universe didn't need an explanation. You don't need Genesis, you don't need a creator, you don't need a creator event. Because the universe has always been. But then we've found out as we've examined our physical world that around about 13.8 billion years ago, all of matter, all of reality, all of potential, all of mass and energy existed in a super condensed ball around about the size of a 50p, some would say, some would say a little bit smaller. But all of reality existed in this super condensed mass. And then it exploded out, the Big Bang, as it was quoted. And it makes us ask the question, why did it explode? Where did it come from? What made this change? Suddenly, a creator seems to be a logical position to hold. More than that, though, when you look, when you examine the nature of reality, the nature of our physical universe, you begin to see incredible evidence for a designer behind it all. So you need to go back. And watch last week. If you didn't watch it, share it, pass it on, get back to me, debate it. Uh, prove me wrong if you don't like it. But one of the people that we, um, we didn't talk about was actually Stephen Hawking. So Stephen Hawking, in 1988, he wrote his seminal book, A Brief History of Time, which uh, was the most uh, sold and unread book in history. Uh, and he said this, The laws of science as we know them at present contain many fundamental numbers. The remarkable fact is that the values of these numbers seem to have been very finely adjusted to make possible the development 
of life. Now, we talked about some of these things. So again, if you want to have a look at that, go back, watch that reason. Because it's incredible. It's compelling stuff. The speed of light. Planck's constant. The exact proportion of gravitational force. Unbelievable things. Fine-tuned to with an incredibly infinitesimal degree. Now, the universe that we live in is only possible because everything is just right. It's a fine-tuned universe. It's the Goldilocks universe. It's the human universe. You've only got two real options. You can either say that you've got the accordion universe. We talked about this. That basically the big bang, it goes out. And then the big crunch, it goes back in. Big bang, it goes out. Big crunch. Billions and billions of times we repeat this process until one day we arrive with our universe. And it's just right. It's just perfect. But now science tells us that actually the universe is expanding at an accelerating rate. It's not coming back together anytime soon. Dark matter, dark energy, things that we know about now. Put that beyond any shadow of a doubt. So the other option is the multiple universe theory, which basically says that there's our universe, which is just right, but there are an infinite number of parallel universes. There's a universe where Clark Kent landed in Russia and became Superman Russian style, and he protected truth, justice, the Soviet way, and there's, there's a universe for every kind of possibility, so it's no wonder that we are in the right one, because we wouldn't know if we're in a bizarre universe. Well, that's fine, but there's issues with it. First of all, if that's what you believe, it's a tremendous act of faith because there's no evidence for it and it is totally unprovable. So if you have faith in a creator, then you have faith. If you have faith in the multiverse, then you have faith. You've got to figure out what makes sense. But also it brings you back to square one because you still have to account for where did the super condensed ball of matter and energy come from and what made it kick off in the first place. You haven't really solved anything. You just kicked the goalposts a little bit further down the road because the universe that we live in is just so amazing. And the more we discover about our world, come to We the Curious, examine the science stuff, the more we see the hand, the fingerprint, the autograph, the graffiti of God on reality. But there's a problem with the universe, and this is our second reason. And do you know what the problem with the universe is? Not just that we can't explain where it came from. Do you know what the real problem with the universe is? The real problem is you. Turn to the person next to you and say, the problem with the universe is you. (laughs) All right. Let me explain that. The problem with the universe is you because... You don't fit. You don't fit this universe. Because everything about you is totally opposite to everything in the universe. And everything about the universe is totally opposite to everything about you. The way that we are, the way that we exist, the way that we do life, it's completely at odds with the universe that we are in. There's no explanation that accounts for the universe coming and producing things like us. Because do you know what you are? This is what you are. You are moral. You are personal. And you are intentional. You're moral. So you're moral, which means you have a profound sense of right and wrong. You know when things are bad and there's not another human society in existence that's ever come up without a sense of morality. But if we're moral, the universe is not moral. The universe doesn't have a sense of ethics. The universe didn't study philosophy. The universe hasn't got a framework for right or wrong. The universe is 
impassive. The universe does not have any morality. It is amoral. How can morality come of amorality? How can you get something out of nothing? And yet, one of the reasons that some of you are here right now is that you know that you struggle with issues where you feel guilt or you feel shame or you do things and you think, that was wrong. I wish I wasn't like that. Some of us in this very room were caught in addictive behaviors and compulsive behaviors. And what tells us that they are right or they are wrong? A sense within us. A sense where we know when something is good and we know that certain things are to be admired. We want to see truth and we want to see justice and we want to see honesty and we want to see rightness. We want to see justice. We have a profound sense and it doesn't matter who you are, where you come from, how old you are. It's inbuilt into us. We don't fit with the universe because we have that. Secondly, your personal In other words, you have personhood. You have personality. Everyone say, I have personality. Everyone say, I am an individual. You're individual. You have personality. You have humor. You have relationship. And most of all, every single one of you here in this building tonight, you have a deep, deep deep-seated desire for love. You are wired for love. You were made for love. You crave love. Love. We're social beings. We want to be with others. We need the companionship and the care of others. We want to be wanted. We need to be needed. We love to be loved. We have personhood. We have these longings that come out of us. And yet the universe that we are in isn't personal. It isn't loving. It isn't emotional. It isn't social. We don't fit in the universe. There's no explanation for how we came. There's no explanation for how we received consciousness. How we can be beings that are rational, that are able to step outside of our own thoughts and think about our own existence. To be able to express ourselves, to be creative, to be inventive, to be different. Eight billion different ways of different. We don't fit in this universe because this universe is not personal. And finally, we're intentional. In other words, we have a life that is intended for something. We naturally feel like we need meaning and purpose. And without meaning, without purpose, our life leaves us unsatisfied. And the universe has no meaning without God. Has no intention without Creator. You have no intrinsic worth without God. You have no intrinsic value without a creator. You don't fit into this universe unless God fits in because we need an explanation for how we are people, how we are personality. And so a Bible that talks about a God who is personhood, incredible, ultimate personhood, three in one, living community, always been, who creates us in his image. It makes so much sense. Let me put it this way. You have hunger. Everyone say, I have hunger. Okay, that's why you eat all the donuts. We have to keep replacing them every week because you guys, you eat like a plague of locusts. You have hunger. And you have hunger. It's a longing, a desire for fulfillment, for nourishment. And guess what? That hunger is met in something that the natural world provides. Food. Food meets the hunger. You have thirst. And guess what? There's such a thing as drink. And that thirst, that yearning within you, when you're dry, when you're parched, 
You know that it's pointing to something that you need and something that exists, something that's out there. There's no creature in all of creation that doesn't have a longing that's not fulfilled by something. You want sex. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want sex. (laughs) Wow. You actually did that. Did you know that's actually how Caleb and Chloe got together at Metro in the first place? You have a sex drive, and guess what? There's such a thing as sex. Can you imagine a life? Can you imagine a world? We have a sex drive, and there's no such thing as sex. There's no sexual organs, but you have these urges. You have these drives, and there's nothing to fulfill that. You just go around with this urge that's never going to be satisfied. You just rub up against stuff and and no outlet, no possible way forward. Well, guess what? You have a sex drive, a desire for sex. And guess what? There is sex and it is created. Well, hey, of course I have a desire for food. I have a desire for drink. I have a desire for sex. I have a desire for sleep. But I have a desire for love and there is love in the world. I have a desire for fulfillment. And is it the case that we have become creatures that long for the one thing that just isn't there? Is it possible that we as rational, personable people have these issues in our lives that can never be fixed, never be satiated? What a cruel cosmic joke that is. And that's why life without God can sometimes be such a grim, dark prospect But when the Bible talks about a God who made us in his image with a desire that points towards him, it actually makes perfect sense. One of my favorite verses is in Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, God says this, God has made everything beautiful in its time. You may have heard the, um, the little sequence that goes, there's a time for everything, a time to sow, a time to reap, a time for war, a time for peace, a time to be born and the time to die. And it goes through all these things. It says, there's a time for everything under the sun. In other words, within the sphere of human experience, in our natural, rational, physical world, a time for everything. And the Bible says, God's made it beautiful. Everything's beautiful. It has its time, it has its place, it has its season. It's all right, it's all good. It's not like God's saying, well, you shouldn't be doing those things. He's saying, no, I've made these human activities and they are good, but it's not enough. It goes on to say this, He has also set eternity in the human heart. Say, eternity in the human heart. It means this. It means that God has placed within us a sense of the divine, the ethereal, the ephemeral, the transcendent, because it points us towards him. And one of the biggest reasons that we know that God is real is because our hearts point towards it. And even more so when you see someone's life changed. So in a couple of moments, we're going to baptize these three guys. And you've heard two of their stories. We're going to hear one last story um, before we actually take them and baptize them. I'll just watch this video and in a second I'll come back and I'll explain what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and why it works. But I want you to know that people have come again and again and again and again into the presence of Jesus and discovered that heart, that longing, that yearning for the eternal is met in Jesus Christ and he changes our lives. So let's watch um, Rosie's story 
Massive round of applause, and then I'll come back and just tell us how we're going to do the baptism.